Okay, so let's pick up with the Gemara. The Gemara is a Behei of an Aleph. Says the Gemara, Tzar Belochem Nezek Heichi Shaiminon. Where there's a case of Tzar, when there also coexists with it permanent damages, Heichi Shaiminon, how do we appraise that Tzar? So Amr Avu Deshmul, Avu Deshmul answers, Imdin Kama Adam Ritzalito Liktola Yadli. We appraise how much a person would have to get paid, how much he would want to get paid in order for him to allow you to chop off his hand. So he asked the Gemara, Victor Yonday, you want to chop his hand off? La lod sar lechudehu. It's not you only sar. Hakula chamisha devaramika. You have to pay all five payments. So how could you say that the the amount that we have to give for the payment of sar when there's also nezek? is the entirety of what a person would be willing to, would have to be paid in order to be willing to get his arm chopped off. It's not fair. That incorporates four other payments. Void, and more so, besides it being an invalid appraisal, we're dealing with fools here. The whole thing doesn't start because there's not an amount that any normal sane human being would take in order for you to pay him to remove his entire arm. It's not worth it. So answers the Gemara, no, that's not what it meant. It means to chop off his hand, which is already chopped off. Now, what does it mean to chop off a hand that's already chopped off? So Rashi says, it's ktua, it's chopped off, but there's still sinews attaching the arm to the hand. I'm sorry, So even though it's connected, it's not able to function. So that would be like you already lost the arm, at least within the aspect of it being a usable functioning arm. But in regards to the actual removal, it's still physically attached. So that's what it meant. So he says the Gemara, Even if you're going to say that it was partially connected, partially disconnected, that still doesn't have just Tsar, even though it's Nezek, then nonetheless, there's still boshes. Why? It's embarrassing for the victim to see, to have his arm removed fully. One of the way Gemara expresses is, have his arm thrown to the dogs. Meaning that's also embarrassing, the removal of that aspect. So now, the Gemara has a whole new approach. So the Gemara says, so this is really the way that we ascertain the value of Tsar when you're also paying Nezek. We'll say, to construe a case, where a person is already a dictate that they have to have their arm chopped off, and they're having their arm chopped off with a sum. Right? A sum means that there's some kind of anesthetic which is going to make it not hurt. Now, how much would he have to pay him to have his arm chopped off with that sum, with that anesthetic, to have it purely with a sayif, with just with a sword? Meaning the amount of pain you're going to feel is much, much more. So that amount of pain, maybe, the Gemara proposes is the amount that a person has to pay for Tashlumay Tsar. So Amri, they responded, No, it's not true. A person's not willing to take that amount of money. Just uh, not, There's no amount of money you could pay for a person to go through that amount of Tsar. Ella, rather, a new approach. the so the Gemara says, just the opposite. How much is a person 
willing to pay in order that his hand, which is supposed to be chopped off with a saif, supposed to be chopped off with a sword, and that's very painful. The sum, which is not painful at all, how much is he willing to pay for that to happen? That difference of how much he's willing to pay, now we'll say that's what you have to pay for Tashlum Tsar. So the Gemara put yes on this proposition. How could you say that that's the explanation? There's two ways to ask this. Either the Mishnah says little, or Avodah Shmuel said little. So one of those, either one of those, it says little, the word expressed for what's given over is little, that the person who's the victim here, that's who's going to be taking money. But in your proposition, he's giving money. So I'm Rav Huna Breda of Yeshua. says, don't get caught up in that, that uh, precise reading. I'll explain to you even with a precise reading. To take from this person that which that person gave. Meaning to say, the victim gave X amount. So we'll take from the assailant that which the victim was willing to give in order to have his arm removed if it was already decreed to be chopped off, what he would be willing to pay in order to have it removed with anesthetic as opposed to doing without any anesthesia. That's the basic read of the Gemara. So, even with the basic read, there's a lot to ask here. Um, so let's go slowly. Number one, the Gemara poses a question. Now the Gemara essentially is trying to go ahead and isolate the payment of Tsar, and establish how do we go ahead and appraise the value that a person pays for Tashlum Tsar. So if that's the case, why does the Gemara express that as Tsar b'makom nezek heichishayminan? Tsar, that you're paying at the same time that there's a payment of nezek, how do you assess that? The Gemara should just say, much more simple, Tsar heichishayminan. Why does the Gemara go ahead and express in a way that says Tsar b'makom nezek? That being said, the whole question is preposterous. What do you mean, Sar Hechi Shaiminan? Look at the Mishnah. The Mishnah we all saw together, pay Gimel on a base. The Gemara says, well, How do you praise it? How do you praise Sar? How much the person want to take in order to go through this amount of pain? That's very simple. The Mishnah told me. So, how come I need a whole Gemara expressing how to evaluate Sar? And the Mishnah told me how to praise it already. That's question number two. Now, these two questions um, could be a very strong reason why not to learn the basic read of the Gemara. So, let's see Rashi, and we'll see clear what I mean. So, Rashi says, Rashi establishes the case that you already paid, you already paid the Tashlomay Nezek. Very interesting. Why did Rashi know Tzar Nezek I could have learned it's just Tsar in a place where there's permanent damages. Rashi establishes Tsar Makam Nezik means he gives them he gives them the Dmeyan. Rashi establishes he gave already the Dmeyan. So says Gamara, according to Rashi, Hechi Shaimina Nasat Tsar, how can you evaluate Tsar? Hello He has the right to cut the arm off in lieu of the money that he gave. So this is unbelievable. According to this, the, the, according to Rashi, the question of the Gemara isn't how do you evaluate Tsar? 
which in a certain way is a breath of fresh air, because if that's true, first of all, why did the Gemara say Tzavimachanezek, and second of all, the Mishnah already told us how to evaluate Tzar. But rather, in the question of the Gemara, according to Rashi, is how do you evaluate Tsar in a place where you paid Tashlumay Nezek? Because inasmuch as you already gave the Dmei Yad, you have all the right in the world to cut it off. So therefore, the fact that he went through pain during that process is irrelevant. I don't have to pay for that. I already gave Dmei Yad. That's how Rashi learns the question. That question is unbelievable. That's a great question. That question is so good that already, if you don't remember, I'll remind you, we saw that as Rashi al Rashi Torah, when he's trying to discuss Petatachas Patsa, says that without the Pasuk, we would have thought that since you gave the Meyad already, you wouldn't be high of any kind of Tashlomay Tsar. Kamash Malan, Petatachas Patsa teaches me there's something called Tashlomay Tsar. But what's the Hava mean? We explained it because you gave the Meyad. Once you gave the Meyad, you, you purchased rights to the, the hand. You, have the, you gave him, you returned his hand back to him. That hand is yours. So now the fact that I have the right to cut it off, he went through Tsar, I'm sorry, I feel bad. But that's, that's part of life. That's the idea to deal with it. But who says that I go ahead and pay Yisar? Petzatachas Patsa does. Fine, Petzatachas Patsa does. But how come, why do I have to pay it? How do I, how in the world do I pay that? I'm sorry. How do I assess that? How do I evaluate that? So that's the Gemara's question according to Rashi. So the question now according to Rashi is beautiful. The problem is, Abba Shaul. I'm Rav I'm sorry, Rav Udashmol. You see how much a person wants to get paid in order to chop his arm off. What's the question? What was the answer? The question was, how can I evaluate Sabra Makanezik? He has the right to chop it off. Answers Avud Shmuel, I'll tell you how. How much does a person willing to get paid have to get paid in order to chop his arm off? We're not talking to each other. That wasn't the question. The question was, how can I obligate you to pay Tsar if you have the right to chop my hand off? Answers Avud Shmuel, how much do you have to pay a person to chop his hand off. I don't, I don't understand how the Vudashmul answers the question at hand. It seems like a total non-sequitur. That question we're going to go back to, we're going to return to in the meantime, but that would be already a big revach, a big gain in Rashi's understanding of the Gemara. Now, so I want to make it, just tell you two general knowledge concepts. I never did this before. I'm not sure I did it now. I told my guys this in Shia. So I told them in Shia, so I'm telling you also but I'm not sure why I did this. Um, in the general reading of the Gemara, so it seems like it's permissible to benefit from part of a person's body that was detached from himself. In the Havamina, where there was Ktua Yodo, means that it was what? That it was still, there was these Gidin, the sinews attaching the arm to the body, to the torso. So they had to cut that off, we allowed to throw it to the dogs. Now when you throw it to the dogs, the Shash in Gitin, with Aleph Amin Beiz, Brings a proof from here that a limb of a person, Mutabahana, why? Because it's clear from the Gemara, you could take the limb that was detached and throw it to your own dogs, and you don't have to feed the dogs at night. You gave them dinner with the arm. So that you're getting a monetary benefit from. So the Rishash wants to bring a raya from this Gemara that you're able to derive benefit from detached limbs. I don't think this raya is so ironclad. It could be just. I, when I read the Gemara, I took it just to be an expression. It's Mutzah and Mishay, the Klavim. Second of all, who said it's your Klavim? Even it's not just an expression. Maybe that's not called getting Hanah. You throw it to a random dog, a stray dog. It doesn't say that you can feed it to your dog. So who says you're able to derive benefit? For those two reasons, I wouldn't have jumped to the Rashash's conclusion, but there is such a Rashash. Now, that being said, how come you don't have to bury the limb? 
the new Nabi Yehuda, Nityanyana, Yerodeya, Seminarishtes, brings a proof from here that you don't have to, if a limb becomes detached from a person, so there's no obligation to bury it. Rabbi Misha Feinstein disagrees. He says, it's not a proof, I assume. If you want to see the Rabbi Misha inside, it's in Chelek Aleph, Seminarishtes, Amen Aleph. Um, like we said, the proof is not so ironclad. I assume that's the crux of the Machlokas, between the Yehuda and Rabbi Misha. Um, but either way, that's uh, the basic points which are coming out from the read of the Gemara. So now this all being said, I want to get into the crux of what the, this evaluation here is taking into account. So at the end of the day, we end up having how much is a person willing to pay, how much is he willing to pay to have his arm cut off, not without any anesthesia, but adding an anesthesia. How much is he willing to pay? So what's the difference between having anesthesia or not? So Rashi, in the Ramaschal bin Tzamla Saif, says, He says, If you have a hand which is already designated by the authorities to have it chopped off with an anesthesia, There's no pain there whatsoever. So come and to the How much are you willing to pay to experience the pain of having it chopped off with an anesthesia? But it's clear from Rashi, by us, Rashi Nagamara, that there's no pain whatsoever when you use an anesthesia. So the Rashash here points out, I apologize, I forgot to put the Rashash on the Marma Kemis. This is, I think, the first time I forgot to do that. To give you, I gave you a source without putting it there. That wasn't Rashi Atosos, so I apologize. But if you didn't see it inside, because you don't have a Gemara with a Rashash, so I'll read it to you now. The Rashash says as follows. Basam Shein Sarklal. He's going in that Rashi, he says with that, there's a Sam where there's no Tsar whatsoever. And Rashi on the Chumash, Pirish, Basam with uh, an anesthesia, it doesn't hurt so much. The implication being that it does hurt, just it mitigates the pain. And so too Rashi wrote earlier in Bavakama, And therefore, how do you determine the Tsar? You determine the Tsar by saying you take the difference. So if a person's going through five, just to speak very... Uh, bluntly, but if a person is going through experiencing five pain points with uh, anesthesia, and without without, I was saying, and without anesthesia he would have 100 pain points, so you pay the price differential of 95 pain points. Whereas if you just look at our Gemara, so there's no pain whatsoever, so it would just be 100 pain points. You're paying everything. So, the Meshach says that but it's astonishing, it says the Meshach. When it comes to right? what do you pay? You pay you, the entirety of that which is value decreased. And therefore, when it comes to his pain, and therefore, you have to, should have to pay all of the pain, not just part of it. And therefore, you shouldn't decrease any amount whatsoever of the pain, even if there's a small degree of pain in some. Therefore, So he has two different points here. He's making out two machlekes. According to the Rashash, there's one machlekes. Does removal of a limb with a sam hurt or not? According to our Gemara, Rashi and our Gemara, it does not hurt. According to Rashi and the Talat Amadiz, and according to Rashi and Chumash, there's a, a small amount of pain. That's number one. And number two is, how do you appraise it? According to Rashi Mayas, the way you appraise it is by giving the entirety of the pain experienced the value of that. Whereas when it comes to Rashi uh, on Chumash, so the way you appraise it is you take the higher pain, 
you decrease the lower pain, the, lower, the minimal amount of pain, and you pay the differential. So you're paying everything, you're paying the differential. And that's the Rishash's two points. And therefore, those two distinctions, you have to say it's obvious that it's like Rashi and Agamara, because Rashi and Agamara says you pay everything. So the same way you pay for the totality of the Pachastom and the also value when it comes to Shalmei Nezek, so, so too you pay the entirety of the Tsar that he went through. To which I'll say that the Rishash is correct on one point, but I think he's incorrect on the other. So let's explain it. What I mean by that? What I mean is that when it comes to, you know, whether or not some hurts or some doesn't hurt, that's a contradiction, that's apparent. Rashi and Rashi and the Chumash says it hurts a little bit, whereas when Rashi, by us, says it doesn't hurt at all. Granted, but it doesn't mean that there's a fundamental dispute here. Why? Because I want to claim that everyone agrees that you always pay the differential. And I prove it to you. Because what was the question? The question, according to Rashi, even by us, is the question is, how can you pay, how can you evaluate Tsar B'makam Nezek since he gave the Demeyad, he has the right to cut the hand off. Now, he has the right to cut the hand off. Now imagine if he cut the hand off with a sum. So I would propose if you cut the hand off with a sum, that's the least painful way to do it. Maybe, according to Rashi, you wouldn't pay any tsar whatsoever. Because you have the right to cut the hand off. The whole question is, how do I evaluate tsar in a circumstance, in a situation, where I have the right to create the result that the Mason Nezek orchestrated? So I have the right to have the hand off. Very good. So now... It could be that we always go ahead and assess the differential, right? Because inasmuch as he has the right to cut the hand, he gave the demayad. Obviously, it's also to cut the hand off, but we're talking ex post facto. So the hand's cut off. He gave the demayad. So now he had the right, once I gave the demayad, to have the hand be cut off. That being said, so how can I charge him for tsar? The answer is, because you should only you should have done it in the least painful way. Like Rashi and Chumash says, you should do it in the least painful way. You did it in a more painful way, so pay that difference. So that pay that difference, I'm going to claim, is also true by us. Rashi says he should have cut it off. He has the right to cut it off. So what are you paying? The difference. Now, what's the difference? So when you say that there's a small degree of pain when it comes to a sum, so the difference is 100 minus 5, so you pay 95. The only distinction here is that Rashi says that there's no pain by Tsar. That is a machlokas. That is a dispute. So when there's no pain of a sar, I'm sorry, when it comes to a sum, so then the difference, you're still paying the difference, it's just 100 minus 0. As instead, opposed to Rashi and Chumash, it's 100 minus 5. So it's not that there's a fundamental difference in understanding, but that first discussion of is there pain or not, is that going to go ahead and, you know, cause any decrease in the actual payment of the tsar itself? So that dispute isn't a fundamental dispute, that's a practical historical dispute. What did the sum accomplish? That being said, so if the question of the, the Gemara is how do you evaluate how to evaluate Tsar B'makam Nezek, he has the right to cut the hand off, the answer of the Gemara is going to be, so take the two different expressions, the expression of what occurred, and the expression of how to get to that same you know, end game, of not having a hand in the least painful way. And now you pay the difference. So now, that being said, how did Avodah Shmuel answer that? Avodah Shmuel answers, How much was a person willing to pay in order to cut his hand off? That doesn't answer it. That's not what it's trying to accomplish. So, I think, 
is a svar pshuta, and besides being a svar pshuta, so the lechem abir and I brought you says this also, is that the whole gemara is discussing how to go ahead and explain avud shmuel, right? It's not going ahead and re giving revamping what the answer of the gemara is. It's that up is avud shmuel said a statement that doesn't make sense how to understand avud shmuel like that, and therefore let's go ahead. And we explain Avodah Shmuel. So at the end of the day, when we say how much is a person willing to have, pay and to give for his hand, which is so that's referring to Avodah Shmuel. And that's why the Gemara is bothered. How do you read Avodah Shmuel of saying Litain, Avodah Shmuel said Lito? To which the Gemara responds, the Lito is referring to we take from the assailant that which the victim was going to be nursing, how much the victim was going to give. Therefore, therefore, that's a, that's a great way to read the Gemara. The Gemara at the end of the day asks, the question according to Rashi is, how much do you go ahead and how do you evaluate the value of Tsar when you're already paying Nezek and you're right, Kilu, to put the person through pain in order to get to this um, desired end game? And the answer, according to Vuda Shmuel, at the end of the day, and Avodah Shmuel answers that. It's not clear what he answers, and therefore the Gemara clarifies that Avodah Shmuel means that how much is he willing to pay to have uh, an anesthetic during this process when he can't avoid the Nezek. So that's the read of the Gemara according to Rashi. So now that we saw Rashi, let's see the rush together. I brought you the rush in Simon Aleph. So the Gemara, it says as follows, but Amru Gemara, he said in the Gemara, the Tsar b'makam Nezek, that when there's a Tsar in the payment of Nezek, and for example, you chopped his hand off, right? we don't say how much is a person willing to take in order to have his hand chopped off, why not? That's extraordinary, that's extraneous, there's no limit to that. Because why? A person never would have gone ahead and taken any amount of money in order to sell his hand. And to be lenient on Shumas, we derived already from the Pasuk of Bir Beseacher. And even if his hand, which is already designated by the government to be chopped off with an anesthetic, we don't say, how much the person is willing to take, in order that instead of doing it with anesthetic, we'll do it straight with a sword. There's also an extraneous appraisal. People don't accept upon themselves this degree of tsar. So, they wouldn't do it initially unless they were paid a tremendous wild amount of money. So, obviously, that's not a fair assessment. And here, it was already appraisal. It was already, this he already went through the pain. Therefore, we give him a more lenient appraisal, and that appraisal is how much is a person willing to get paid to give in order to use an anesthetic during the process of removing his hand or not. And that money we take from the assailant and give that to the victim. But when it comes to Tsar Shalibamakamnazik, Yam Shalashumin in Akhar, there's only one way to appraise that. 
How much a person willing to take in order to go through this amount of pain? I have had a parish with Gamara Lito Lito in Mibayle. I, the Gamara asks, how can you say Lito in the in the, in the statement of the I did a Mishnah of Wood Shmuel? It says, according to the way we're explaining it, it says Litain. There says the Rosh and the Wood Shmuel parish. There's the asking of Wood Shmuel. Or we could say, no, we're extrapolating a word to our Mishnah. Now continues the Rosh, and he says, We say, now, we never appraise how much a person is willing to go ahead and take in order to go through pain. A person will give over anything for his own life. And that value was priceless. If someone is chayiv to have his finger burnt by a burning poke, right? We say, how much is he willing to pay? How much is he willing to pay? So it shouldn't happen. And this money is less because a person is willing to give less to get out of something, and it would cost him more to be able to go through something. A person, you know. How much extra money would you pay for more of an anesthetic to the dentist? Yeah, you would pay less, right? Would you pay $50,000? You have to have a tooth removed. $50,000 you'd pay for an anesthetic? No, I wouldn't pay fifty. Would you pay 10000 I don't know, probably not. Pay 5000 okay, maybe 5000 I'd pay. Now, if someone offered you $5,000, do you have a tooth ripped out with an anesthetic? Obviously not. So that distinction is what the rush is making. Now, that being said, there's a few points here to point out on the rush, which are... Um, problematic, to put it nicely. Number one is that he's deriving this concept of Shuma from a Bir Beste Acher. Bir Beste Acher, we could have really asked this, you know, from the first time we saw the Rosh, when we were discussing basic principles in Shuma's Nazikin on the, in the first year that we had, in the introductory year. Um, but Bir Beste Acher is a, is a Pasuk, which is deriving that when a behemoth damages someone else's field, through what metric do we assess the value of the field that they destroyed? We don't do it based off of the amount of area that they ate, because presumably it was such a small area that that's not something which is sellable, marketable by itself, and therefore the value would be very high. You know, because if you sell, you know, square feet of fields, or you sell acres of field. So the value per square foot is going to be different if you sell it by the square foot or if you sell it by the acre. Obviously, it'll be more, less expensive. So is a sugya telling us under what metric we, we assess the value of the field in order to determine the value of the nezek. The rush is applying this principle of to nizke adam. I don't know how he knew to do that. It's a chiddush to me. I wouldn't have known that such a principle applied that Yashom Nahokil by Nizke Adam. It's a whole different, you know, it's whole new English. It's Chalitza and Isabahetar. I'm saying the two things have nothing to do with each other. The whole different system of assessing Nezek. And yet the Rosh is taking the dinam of Nizke Mamun and applying it to Nizke Adam. It's a Chiddush to me. Obviously, I'm making it very extreme. It's not that extreme, but it's the two different partials at the end of the day. So how do I know that the dinim from one apply to another? I know that there's certain dinim that of Nizke Adam that don't apply to Nizke Mammon. There's no Arba Devorim when it comes to Nizke Mammon. There's Arba Devorim, no Nizke Adam. 
So who told you there's a shumana hakel by nizke adam just because of shumana hakel by nizke mama? Maybe it's not true. Maybe we're more stringent when it comes to nizke adam. The Rosh somehow knew that. Fine, Seda. So now, what happens when it comes to tsar shalei b'makom nezek? How do we praise that? So the first thing he says is, you know what? We praise tsar shalei b'makom nezek by going along and saying, um. You know, there's no what usually we would say, how much is a person willing to go to pay to lose their hand with an anesthetic as opposed to a saif? Fine. Some bimakam saif, seder. But here we can't say that because there's no nezik. And therefore, all we can do is say, how much would we have to pay you to go through this? Then says the Rosh Inami, no, that's not true. We'll go ahead and we'll tell you that how much would you be willing to pay to get out of it? You just said we're stuck. But less braver, there's only one way to explain it. The way to explain it is how much uh, would we have to pay you to go through something? And then all of a sudden we could say, no, just pay to get out of it. How much would you pay to get out of it? What was the, You just said there's no other option. Now you're saying there is another option. What's that flip-flop in the rush? What's the understanding of it? So my understanding is as follows. My understanding is, is that, you know, B'makam Nezek... So there's two different points on the timeline of what occurred. Number one, in point A, the victim had a hand. The victim had a hand. Now something happened, and we end up in the victim not having a hand. So point B is having no hand. So to get from A to B is a process of going to being in a state of being where you have a hand, and getting to be means you result in a state of not having a hand. Now, Tsar B'makam Nezik means we have two different modes of getting to that point. So, mode, one mode is Sam, and one mode is Saif. So when I have two different methods of getting to the same place, of traveling from A to B, then those two different methods, I can go ahead, evaluate each one separately, and then give you that differential. That's fine. That makes sense. And that's what we're trying to accomplish when we say how much are you willing to pay to go through the process of some as opposed to Saif. And that'll be the Tashlamit Tsar. Wonderful. But comes along the rush with a Svara. And the, the Svara of the rush, I'm presuming, is that that only works when there's something called A to B. When there's a Nezek, there's a process of what's occurring. You're going from a state of having a hand to a state of not having a hand. And now we can contrast two different methods to get there. But Tsar, there's not two different travels, right? What's the travel? The, the whole expression of Tsar, Shaloba Makomnezik, is that the person didn't change. The only thing that changed was their experience. So the, what you know, the, the A would be, the A in this circumstance would be to have. A sense of comfort, to be happy, healthy, feeling good. And the B, the end game, is being in discomfort, is the Tsar itself. So you can't say how much would you be willing to pay to get out of it, because that's circumventing that process of the difference, the two different methods of getting from A to B. The A to B here is experiencing the pain. So you can't pay to get out of that, because then you're not talking about the process that's being discussed. Therefore, says the rush, you're stuck. The only thing you can do is pay the amount that 
you would be willing to accept in order to go through the pain. There's no other option. That's stage number one. To that, he had a flip-flop. A change of heart. No, it's not true. Really, we don't have to assess the value of Tsar as a trajectory of getting from A to B. We could even assess the value of Tsar of by how much would you pay not to go through the process at all. Meaning, A to C. How much would you pay to circumvent that process? That the rush was mechadish is a viable option, a viable way of assessing the tsar. Now the rush's impetus for making this flip-flop is, he has a language here, he says, right? We don't say how much is he willing to take for it. Why not? It's too much. It's extraneous. So it seems to me that the person he's saying is never going to go through Tsar. I, you said a person would go through Tsar before, on this part of the Gemara, and you just said it's just too much, and Shumas Lahakil. So it seems to me, like the din of the Bir Vestayacher is interdependent on this expression, I meaning the reason he's willing to say that we can just assess, even Shalei Makam Nezek, that the value is how much are we willing to pay to avoid it, is due to the fact, is due to the fact that he understands as a concept of a beer that the price can't be extraordinary. If he's, if he's willing to hear there's an extraordinary price, so then maybe, maybe then he wouldn't make that flip flop, and he would have stayed with his first assumption that in a case where there's not two different methods of getting to that same end result, then you always pay how much you would be willing would have to get paid. The victim, the assailant, I'm sorry, would always pay how much the victim would have to get paid in order to go through this process yeah, from the Lichar Chila. Right? So that's already the, the two Nakudos here, these two points in the rush are codependent on each other. Now that being said, you didn't have to learn like this, right? We could have theoretically learned that there's actually two totally different Shumos. Now we'll see the other Bishanim soon, but I could have learned that there's one Shuma called Sar B'makam Nezek and that's a tsar, which is dafka in a circumstance where there's nezek. Whereas, we asked a question, how come we're asking, how do we assess the value of tsar? The Mishnah already told me how to assess the value of tsar. It says, That was the din of the Mishnah. So why is the Gemara asking it? So we explained in Rashi that the Rashi is really asking a different question. How do you appraise it since you have the right to do it? We could have understood, though, now, there's two different shumas here. One, Argamar is talking about a shuma of Tsar B'makam Nezek. And secondly, we could have looked at the din of the Mishnah. And what's the case of Tsar in the Mishnah? The case of Tsar in the Mishnah is Kvol B'Shvud Al-Tsipornoi. Right? You burnt him on his fingernail. There, there's no Nezek. That's a case of Tsar Shalei B'makam Nezek. So I could have understood that it's a whole different shuma. And the shuma of Shalei B'makam Nezek is a shuma of how much would he have to take, how much would you pay? have to pay him in order to do so? Lethal is specific. And the Gemara by us, which changes Lethal to Lethal, is limited to Avuah the Shmuel. It's not coming on the Mishnah. And Avuah the Shmuel is telling you specifically in the case of Tzar B'makam Nezek, that's where it's how much you would give, because there's two different tracks, and I can pay to switch tracks. Whereas the Din of the Mishnah, there's not two different tracks, there's only one track, because we're talking about Shalibamach of Nezek, and therefore the only thing experienced was the Tsar itself. There, it's how much would he have to be lethal, how much would he have to take in a literal sense. 
So there, that would already be a different approach that we'll see maybe some of the Rishayim took, not like the Rush, but the Rush, the Shitasa, who holds up this concept called Bir Besteacher, which is a Chiddush to me, how he could extend that, how he knew to extend that to this Ke'adam. But once that's true, he has already has this agenda to make the Shum as small as possible. Once the agenda is to make the Shum as small as possible, then for sure, there's a preference to make it how much are the, is the victim willing to give as opposed to how much would we have to pay the victim. Because that number is always going to be smaller. Now that being said, I want to go back and revisit the Mishnah. Yeah? The Mishnah, in regards to Sar, says, How much does a person like this have to get paid in order to go through such a thing? Now what does it mean, So Rashi says, Based on how pampered the guy is, is going to determine how much pain he goes through. Meaning to say, it's subjective, pain is subjective. Now what goes into how much a person's willing to get paid? How much does a person have to get paid in order to uh, go ahead and suffer through this? That's subjective. Is he a pampered guy or not? Is he a strong guy or not? So depending on the degree of pampering, is going to go ahead and determine how much you have to pay him. Now I'm going to show to you two Rambams. The Rambams are in Perik, Bez, Halacha Tess, and Hilchos Chivu Lamazik, and Halacha Yud. The Rambam says as follows, How much do you have to pay for Tsar? Everything is dependent on the victim himself. There's a person who is very pampered, and he has a lot of money. And if you would give him a lot of money, he wouldn't even suffer through a little bit of pain. There's some people who are very hard-working and strong and poor. And for one Zuz, who go through a lot of pain. And based off that, a person will go ahead and say, okay, how much is he going to get paid for Tsar? So, how much do you pay? How do we evaluate that Tsar? In a place where he lost a limb, you cut off his hand or his finger. How much is he willing to pay the difference between some or or Saif? Like the Maskan of the Gemara. Now, this is a giant Machlikas here between Rashi and the Rambam. According to the Rambam, we take into account not just the degree of how pampered this guy is, and therefore how much physical pain did he go through, but if the barometer is how much you're going to pay him, how much is he going to have to pay him in order to go through this pain, so the Rambam adds another factor. So how much money does he have in the bank account? And depending if the guy has enough money, a lot of money in the bank account or not, is also going to have implications in regard to how much you're going to have to pay him in order to make him suffer through this. Whereas when it comes to Rashi, he doesn't mention the guy's bank account. Where's Appella? Why not? Seemingly, the Rambam's right. So when I said over this diuk in, in Shia, the guys were trying to get out of it. They got uh, upset with me. They said, no, maybe it's not true. Maybe Rashi really agrees with the Rambam. And it's not really a machlokas. He just didn't say it because it's pashat, obviously. So I brought to you a rishash on the Mishnayis. The Rishash, besides the commentary in the Shas, is also a commentary in the Mishnayis. And this Rishash is not brought in the Gemara. It's only if you have, you know, like a more uh, 
Mishuklal. I don't know how to say Mishuklal in English. If you have a more like a, a fancier version of the Mishnayis, so then you can find him also brought there. So he says, According to Rashi, though, it's very clear that we don't say, let's look and see if he was rich or not. Because if he was rich, he obviously would give a lot more money to be saved from this pain. That which is not true when he's poor. The implication being, for sure, we evaluate each person as if it is an evid. And the barometer is going to be how much is his master willing to give in order to save his evid from this pain. The Rabbah says not like that. Pella. The, the Rashash is taking this diuk. First of all, he agrees as a machalikas rashi rambam. That's explicit. And Ba'etzen, the Pashtis, is like the rambam. That he also assumes. But he's so bothered in Rashi, why is it that we're ignoring the fact that of the bank account? He's taking that so seriously that he's saying that the Shum of Tsar, the Shum of Tsar is also based off of how much is a, a person, an owner, willing to pay to have his Evid avoid that Tsar. Now that's that's wild. First of all, the mission doesn't say that. The mission only brings down Shumas Evid. By Nezek. That's number one. Number two, the whole basis for Shumas Eved that we explained to Binas Rashi was because we have a Svara, Ben Domin, and really the function of a limb is priceless. That whole logic doesn't apply to Tsar. There's no concept of a, losing a function due to Tsar. Tsar is you experience it and it's done. To go ahead and jump to, to Eved because we have to find some. some kind of barometer in a place where it's an impossibility that we did in Nezek, fine. But why in the world would we extend that to, to Tsar? How could we extend it to Tsar? So now, what, why he's trying to do that, I understand. Because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do, according to Rashi, is give an objective value to Tsar. This is, this is the Tsar. This is Tsar. This is a representation of the Tsar that you went through. Fine. Now go ahead and give that to someone. So, who is this guy? What side did he go through? It depends how pampered he is. Fine. So that's what Rashi is trying to do. He's trying to make it that you're giving a monetary expression of the pain that he went through. Was according to the Rambam, that's not true. The Rambam is learning the Gemara Kapshute. How much would you have to give in order for him to go through this? How much would he have to pay? So that being said, that being said, the Rambam is purely subjective. Let's take everything into account. You know, besides... You know, how much money is in the bank? So what's with this for 1K? And what's with, you know, the inheritance, which maybe is coming up soon? Etc., etc. We'll take all the mitigating factors into account. Why not? That's the Rambam. Everything is purely subjective. Whereas according to Rashi, he's trying to make it that it's objective. And now that it's objective, so let's try to go ahead and determine how to do so. So he's trying to avoid the bank account. At the end of the day, we'll have to know how he could do that. The Reb Chaim, Similarly, it doesn't go as far as saying that we go back to Shuma Sevid. I assume the reason he doesn't jump to Shuma Sevid is like we spoke out already. But what does he yet say? The, uh, he's still bothered by the question of the Rambam. The Rambam, at the end of the day, is right. You have to, if it's how much a person's willing to pay, so look at his bank account. So he says it's not true. It doesn't mean how much the person's willing to pay. It means how much is his friend willing to pay for his other friend to make sure he doesn't have to go through this experience. So. The reason why Rav Chaim is doing this, we understand. 
But the kasha is still difficult. Nobody said that. No one alluded to that. It says anywhere. It alludes to anywhere that there's a third party here paying for you not to go through this pain? That's the assessment? Or is it how much are you willing to pay for you, the victim, not to go through this experience? Now that you're willing to pay that, that's what the assailant gives to you. It's the words of the Gemara. It's a pillar. So the Achreinim are all bothered. Yeah, I'm also bothered. What, what, what do you do with the Kasha of the Rambam? Agreed. But that being said, that being said, so then, it's not an answer. It's not an answer. So now before we get to the answer in Rashi, at least the beginning of an answer in Rashi, I wanted to show you, you know, this piece of Rasulavechik. The piece of Rasulavechik comes along and establishes this two different Shumas. There's one Shuma, there's the Shuma of the Mishnah. That Shuma is the Shuma of Tzar Shalom Makam Nezek. And the other Shuma is the Shuma of Tzar Makam Nezek. He wants to prove that it's the Shita Sarabam, there's two different Shumas. How does he do that? Because the first Rambam, and everything based off establish right how much the tsar is now that's one discussion of tsar in general tsar now that discussion of tsar is a discussion of the Mishnah how do I know because where do you discuss this concept and even mamun that's only in the din of the Mishnah. That's where we discussed the din of Kiyotzebezeh. And the Kiyotzebezeh is the halacha of halacha tes. Now it comes along the Ramam and halacha yud. And he says, Ketan Mesharen Atzar B'mokim Shechosro Eiver. There, that's Tzar B'mokim Nezek. So the Ramam understood the kash of the Gemara Kipshutai. The Ramam understood the Gemara is asking, how do we have Tzar B'mokim Nezek? Because that, I don't have a Mishnah which told me. Now, now, why would the Rambam need a, a separate halacha? And the answer is because here there's Tashlumi Nezek. You came to me, Yan. So that being said, there's a whole new ass- assessment. So how do I go ahead and assess it? How do I pay that? There, it's a price differential. There, it's a price differential. And that's how the Rambam understood that the, the Gemara's question, first of all, and second of all, why is it redundant? We know that already for the Mishnah, according to Salavachik, that's expressed in these two different halachas, halacha tes, halacha yod. That being said, we have to come now and try to explain Chitas Rashi, who doesn't take Mammon into account. How could that be? So now, I don't have a, an unbelievable answer to this question. What I want to do is I'm trying to try to mitigate the question. At the end of the day, the G'dili Achrinim, you know, said things which we never would have said. Third-party assessments of how much they're willing to pay to save you from pain, etc. I want to try to limit it. Now, we have two different sugyas. One sugya is a sugya of the Mishnah of Tsar. The example of the Mishnah is an example of Tsar Shalabi Makam Nezek. There's a second sugya, the sugya of Pehayim Aleph. That's a sugya of Tsar Makam Nezek. So now, let's assume that Rashi learned there's two different sugyas, there's two different Tashlumen. One's a sugya of Tsar, Shalom B'makam Nezek, of the Mishnah. The other one is a Tsar B'makam Nezek of the Mishnah. Now, when I Rashi go ahead and even bother to ask Tsar B'makam Nezek, why do you go out of his way to say, how do you appraise it? Haloi, anyways, you shouldn't have to pay. The answer is, 
Because if we're trying to determine the value of tsar, the makam nezek, so then, so then there shouldn't be anything. It says the Gemara know it's something. Now, that being said, what's the Gemara? What's Avodashmol? Well, the Gemara says little. Like the Rush said, little, when the Gemara changes little to be litain, that could be going on two different things. It could be going on Avodashmol, and it could be going on the Mishnah. Now, anyone who learns that there's two different Shumas learns the switch from little to litain is only in Avodashmol and not. On the Mishnah. So therefore the Rosh the Shitasu who learns that there's only one type of Shuma, how much are you willing to pay either to switch the means of losing a hand or Bamakom that there's no Nezek, how much are you paying to get out of this? That's the only Shuma, and therefore Lito Litain, that switch is going on even in the Mishnah. That's explicit in the Rosh. Whereas according to let's say the Rambam, the Lito is staying true in the Mishnah. And therefore, in the Mishnah, you're taking money, you're accepting money. How much money would we have to pay you in order to go through this? Whereas according to the the litain, how much you're willing to give, that's b'makom nezek, and that's only in the Shmuel. Now let's say Rashi, learned al Rambam. There's two different sugyas here. And now the when we Gemara changes, how much are you willing to give? That's a Gemara changing only of the Shmuel. So the only time that the barometer of how much Tsar is, is how much are you willing to pay to switch the means? That's only b'makam nezek. So the Mishnah, which is talking about shalai b'makam nezek, is how much is a person, would you have to pay a person to go through this? So I want to make a claim as follows. There's logic to this claim. I'm not saying this is logic answers all the difficulties here, but it for sure lessens the difficulty. I want to say as follows. And if we're talking about how much a person is willing to pay to get out of something, then definitional to that question is how much money does it have in the bank. Because at the end of the day, you can only pay that which you have. So in the discussion of Tsar B'makam Nezek, and the question is how much is he willing to pay, for sure the bank account plays an inherently integral role that you cannot divorce how much he has in the bank to the question of how much tsar are you paying? Those two things are inherently connected. Whereas, the din of the Mishnah is tsar shalibim akam nezek. There the discussion is, how much would you have to pay him? So obviously, how much you would have to pay him depends on how much he has in the bank and how much he needs the money. But inasmuch as it's not definitionally inhibiting this bank account, so therefore, that plays less of an integral role in determining the amount that's going into it. And therefore, Rashi didn't feel, maybe, that the role that the amount of money in your bank account has is so important that that becomes a determining factor. Whereas your physical composition is very important. How strong you are, how sensitive you are, determines how much time you go through. To the same degree, in as much as you're receiving the money in this type of assessment, as opposed to giving the money, the the money in your bank account doesn't play a definitional role to how much you would have to get in order to go through this process. And maybe that's why Rashi on the Mishnah specifically doesn't mention this din of the bank account. So that's what we're going to call it quits now for the Sugi of Tsar. It's a difficult sugiyah. This last piece in Rashi is hard. 
Adorabah, let's talk about it. We'll think it through, both of us. But next week, we're going to start the Sugi of Ripui.